I think I can go back to the idea that it, it may have saved cycling for me. Because wow. cause I just know I didn't have the time. Yeah, remember we were kind of talking about I know, yeah. Okay, you got to cut us off when it gets yeah, yeah. cut. Yeah. Right? But like, that's that's how, I mean, <laughs> it's not snake oil. It's not bullshit. Right, like, right. I remember like, I was working at Citrix. I had no time. You yes. and I were going on rides. I was dying. Um, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah. I pushed yeah. you. Dude, I, I pushed a, you. <laughs> that's, dude, that might have a, been the <laughs> final ride where you're like, on a flat, into the hill, into the wind, I had to push Eric for two miles because he was, was still trying to train regularly. That's right. That's yeah. when that freaking started. And you're you're like, all right, dude, I'm going to take was, a look at this shit. It was Glendora Ridge Road. <laughs> I have the fucking picture. God damn. <laughs> and I, I, can still, I can still see my face in that picture. So, um, yeah, that saved, that saved cycling for me. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is episode nine of NFR Cycling. Today, we're going to talk about high-intensity, low-volume training. Uh, before we get into that, though, we're going to uh, check in with uh, yours and my favorite co-host, uh, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> good, good, brother. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Um, it's been a long day, but I'm excited to sit here and uh, and record this with you. It's always kind of the, the highlight of my week, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> right on, right on, man. Yeah, I think maybe what is going on lately for me, so I was thinking when we shot this last time that I would be two days out from a dual hernia surgery, so that since has been pushed out three weeks, man, July 8th, so it's definitely made some adjustments, you know, I was kind of already on the detraining thing and just rolling right into it. And uh, so I've got three more weeks on my hands right now, man. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, I mean, it's almost like getting like a race pulled out from from <laughs> from underneath you, like we did earlier in the year when when COVID hit. Like you've got this expectation, stuff's gonna happen, then all of a sudden, like, nope. But we were talking about some things as a result of that, and I think yeah. um, there's some exciting stuff that 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 can come out of it uh, with that extra three weeks. Yeah, right. Um, so little little uh, piggybacking on that, you know, it's, it's, I figured why not let's kind of document this process of, okay, now I got three weeks. I'm not just going to be hanging out drinking Guinness, although that is a good time, but. That sounds good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I started thinking as we, and we talked and for you folks listening out there, how to make the most use of this to be helpful. And so as I really thought about it, I thought, how about a little two-part video series? Part one, preparing to be off the bike. Part two, recovering from that time off the bike. We all, at one time or another, have this happen. Um, preferably, you can plan, right? When when yeah. that bike goes upside down, man, and, and you know, it, it's things ain't going right. You're unexpectedly off your bike, but... Uh, so that's what I started just this last couple of days. You know, I, I'm, we started the process. We're going to start putting these things up on YouTube. Right. Um, and just as a quick sneak peek, you know, it's I'm doing this in preparation for a dual hernia surgery. But, hey, it's work, life, family, school, whatever. Sometimes things happen. And if you can forecast it and see it coming, man, my strong advice is prepare and so I'm going to kind of document that stuff from the perspective of someone going in for a surgery. So I'm not looking to break 
power records, but I am looking to build uh, fitness so that I can come out on the other end and use that fitness to recover more. But there'll be a lot more of that in the uh, in the video series. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to do that, man. Yeah, it, it should be interesting, and it's. Um, I think it'll be fun to share, and it'll it'll be kind of the first content um, on our YouTube channel. Um, so we'll, we'll have more information out on that uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, by the time you hear this podcast, if you look for us on on YouTube, you should be able to to catch these videos. So you're gonna do it kind of before, and we don't know how many videos that'll be before um, you go in, and then there'll be a, a series uh, of videos after to to build back up. Right. Right. And I don't know about the rest of everyone else out there, but I mean, you know this, uh, whether, whether it was moving to Texas or some other, like there's always a, a point of time where it's like, crap, I'm going to have to take like five Dude. or six weeks off the bike. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So that, right. I think, uh, I think it'll be informative and, and fun and, and interesting. Right on. I haven't had much going on this week cause I've been working. Um, <laughs> so we can leave my stuff out of it this week and, and kind of jump into, uh, jump into the. The topic, but before we do that, another thing, as I just looked down at my notes, this is going to be the last little uh, week and a half or so for people to submit listener questions. Mm, yeah, yeah. So we've gotten a few so far, but we could use more. So right. nfrcycling.com slash ask. Head there. We don't ask for your email. We don't ask for anything. Just shoot whatever question you've got and, and we'll get it on air. Yeah, please do, man. Like I always say, hey, you're thinking it. Somebody else is too. It's like ask. Because, uh, you know, it's always helpful to somebody else, man. So, yeah. For sure. So, nfrcycling.com slash ask. Please. <laughs> okay. On to the, the topic for today. High-intensity, low-volume training. So, what, is that, what does that mean? So, high-intensity, low-volume training is a methodology of training. So, you know historically things were more of a uh high volume meaning meaning a lot of training time you know each and every ride each and every week gradually building uh so that you can you know build up to that peak fitness right so like back in the day you and i were comparing how many hours we rode a week is like a is like a, a little bit of a pissing contest right <laughs> like, dude i rode this many hours really i rode this many i'm better than you are right yeah, so that old style or what came to be called uh, kind of traditionally is, is periodized, right? Tudor Bampa was the exercise fizz that kind of dubbed that name. Uh, Joe Frio really started to move with that and was the first guy to kind of codify bike training just for people that didn't have coaches, man. It was super cool, you know, that he would start that process. Um, but it was based on that old model of, you know, start very low intensity, you know, gradually building volume. And as you're gradually building volume, you're gradually building intensity. And like we talked about in the pissing contest, it was <laughs> like, dude, 18 to 24 hours a week is not, was not uncommon for amateur cyclists like ourselves. Yeah. Um, so high intensity volume is this other option. So, now here we are, I'm 52 years young, three kids, two-year-old grandson, married, work. It's like, dude, I don't have 22 fucking hours to train, I don't have man. 22 hours for sleep during <laughs> the week almost, man. Like, <laughs> nowadays, dude. Right? So, we still love cycling, right? We talk about why do we ride and, and you know, sometimes the, the 
you know, you just want to get out and ride and do your thing, whatever. If as we get older and as responsibilities and all these things kick in, there is just less time available. And if some of those rides are going to just be like a, what did you call it? A, a Phil Guyman's coach prescribed soul ride. Like, a soul ride, yeah. I like that. It's just, but we got to kind of make space for everything. And as we're mm-hmm. getting older with more responsibilities, there is less space and time for us to do our thing. So that's where, you know, I started jumping on. I'm going to call this eight, nine years ago. Um I want to say it might have been Allison Dunlap's coach. I forget his name right off the top of my head, but he was the first dude I really started to look at that was thrown in like brick training and stacking her training days, stacking recovery days. It was very atypical, man. Everybody was pretty much doing the Joe Friel, Pompa, you know, uh, periodized, long, slow, distance, gradual mm-hmm. build, high volume stuff. So, you know... Thank God for freaking Allison Dunlap's coach. Like I said, I'll have to, we'll have to represent the show notes, but I remember for reading sure. that book and I was like, dude, this is, and she was crushing it at the time, right? Team Luna, you guys get mm. to look up Allison Dunlap. I mean, she yep. was, she was the shit in the day. And when I realized, dude, this is how you're doing it. It wasn't completely high intensity, low volume. But when I started to get, put these pieces together and as more people did, but this, you know, coupling this high intensity with the low volume was like, dude, game changer. It's like, wow, I could, I could just ride at this whole other level again. Like, damn, I haven't been able to do this in a long time. Right. Because we couldn't do freaking 18 to 22 hours. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about this before where to be able to, and here's the sell for me. Right. And I experienced it a couple years ago when I moved over to it, to be able to sit down and train, from from four to six or seven hours a week and then go out and stay with or be in the lead of riders that are doing double or triple that per week. Yeah. Like yeah. That's a big deal. And I know that that sounds like too good to be true, but I could sit there and put five hours in a week targeted and we'll get into the mechanics of it here in a minute, um, but go out and hang with people that rode 24 hours in a week. Right. So that's prob that's probably the why, right? So we talked about like what is it? That's the why. Here's another why. Last year I was second place sport category, California cross country mountain bike state championships at I probably I probably still need to do that blog 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 thing, but it was seven and a half hours, man, maybe. And these other guys, that's what guys kept coming up. Yeah, I share all the shit. It's on Strava. And the guys that know me closest would be like, bro, what are you doing, dude? What are you not showing? And I'm like, it's all there, man. It's all there. You know, I'm doing some super high intensity, very regimented intervals. You know, this is about the time I've got to train, man. And uh, yeah, that was the other you know, fire for me to, to prove it, to prove that it works. So for those of you listening, you know, that's what it is. And if you needed another why, like, dude, every single race with the exception of one, and I think it was almost a year to this day, Facebook does the sharing thing. Right. And, uh, it was the race where I took fourth because there was whatever, eight to 10 Jeeps. I'll share it on my Facebook again, but remember, I, I was right there by Chad Smart that just kept beating my ass all year long. And I'm like, dude, he's like, 15 seconds right there. I see him and this intern. And then we dive down eight record Jeeps, man. And it just was a mess. And he rode away. But 
fourth place and I was still 90 seconds off the podium. That was the only one of those races, man. And I didn't do more than 10 hours of any week at any yeah. time. There might've been a couple that had eight because I wanted to do some crazy long ass climbs during some training weeks. But for those of you that need more of a why, there you go, man. It served me. Yeah. So the whole point is, is to, uh, for me is, um, to make sure that we can give people back more of their time if they want it and need it. Um, and to, uh, and there was a second one. I promised there was a second one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To, to give people back more of their time, um, and just to help them be, um, more effective, uh, uh, in, in getting better or being competitive, if that's what their goal is. Who doesn't want more time back, right, nowadays? Right, and I think piggybacking on that thing too, right? When you're training more, it is more purposeful, and I never want to be construed only as a guy that's just like, dude, I just stare at my freaking head unit all day, and then I'm doing all my math and talking kilojoules. Like, no, when I'm planning it and I'm structuring it, it's it's there's a lot of that, but it's more enjoyable because I'm yeah. not trying to stretch it out, trying to do 20 plus, And I can also still schedule in like that soul ride thing or dude, I'm just rolling. Like, what are you doing? Dude, the purpose of today's ride is just, just to enjoy it, man. I just want to hear the crunch of pine needles and dirt mm-hmm. and smell yeah. the trees and hear the wind. Like that's today's purpose. Like that serves uh, the bigger purpose as well. You know? And to, for the, just to wrap up on the, on the why, like, so, with with you know my medical stuff like my my race days are basically done i'm not i'm not doing any of this to to try to podium anymore um but if i can structure my training in a way that i can get it out in four to five hours to maintain uh, a level of fitness and to you know hopefully progress what that does for me is when i do get to go out and ride with other people it's more enjoyable to be with those other people because my yeah. fitness is where I want it to be. So yeah. Yeah. don't think that high intensity, low volume is just for people that want to go out and race. And like, it's a way to shorten the amount of time to build strength and fitness, to be able to do the things that you want to do when you want to do them, which sounds simple and stupid, but like be able to use your time to maximize your fitness on the bike, to go do what it is you want to do. Even if it's, I just want to be able to keep up with my friends for two hours. Right. So I think that's, that's the real big thing, right? It allows you to enjoy the bike, right? Cause if you're just like, dude, I'm trying to do this 18 hours a week and you're like, you can't do it. And your fitness is always flagging and your bros want to hang out and you're suffering all the time. It's like, dude, that sucks. But if you could do it the freaking third of the amount of time and just like, then you can bro it up and hang out and it's just like, dude, this is right. Or, or sister it up depending on yeah, how it goes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just to get out there and share the time, right? That's right. what makes it always the best, right? Regardless of what it is, a race, an event, a ride. It's like, it's always cooler when you can share it. Okay. So we've talked about saving people a bunch of time and we've taken a lot of time to say that for a podcast. <laughs> so let's go into um, a little bit of like, how do, how do you transition or how do you start to to move from maybe what has been more traditional to adopting um, the, the high intensity, low volume format? Well, the first thing is I just take a big overhead view. And so I always tell folks, okay, let's just step back and honestly tell me what days 
can you train like beyond a doubt you're like man i could do this day this day this day like just write it down let's when when can you just nearly guarantee that you can ride so the time available and once we can get that which is going to be the number one priority then it's like what is it that you really want to improve upon you know is it skill strength speed you want to decrease pain or chronic something that you have going on you know, so then you know how much time is available and then what we're going to start addressing, you know, and then we can start building up and transitioning that program into there. So it's always funny. It's probably a, about 100 percent of time when I'm, you know, people say, yeah, I could do, you know, Tuesday, Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays and sometimes Monday. And I'm like, OK, so can you really do this? Like when, when can you train on those days? Like, well, if I don't get a forced overtime on these days right. and then if church doesn't run long, I was like, okay, let's back it up again. And a lot of times that's when people are like, wow, dude, it's like really only on the trails. I can probably get out like Tuesday and every other Saturday guaranteed. And then I can do this other stuff at the gym or indoors or whatever on Thursdays and Fridays guaranteed. So it's like, well, okay, that's all we're looking for. And so that's where I say, start there with what you can really do. And then we're going to plug that next bit of what is it that you want to improve upon? And then we can start figuring, okay, based on whatever that goal is to flesh out an annual training calendar. Are you someone that's like, dude, you know, I'm trying to build skill, lose weight, enter a race. Like you said, finish with a group of guys that race a lot and I'm not interested in the race, but they're cool. And I like to kind of just hang out with them and I want to, I need to ride a little faster to be able to hang out. Right. Then you could look to see how much time do we need in general in the general training calendar year. And then we can subdivide that into months. Okay. So we're going to look at our schedule. We're going to be real about it to, to be kind of ruthless with what we can really do. Um, and then we're going to figure out what exactly we want to improve, whether it's just, um, uh, I almost want to break it down into sufferfest categories, but probably shouldn't, <laughs> but, um, whether we want to get better at climbing or attacking or yes. whichever. Right. So that once we have those two things in place, we can start to schedule out, um, the coming weeks and months, uh, to figure that out and figure out what we have to do within those blocks of time that we were, we were real about when we looked at our schedule. Right. Right. So then you would know just in general, right? Because then you start to see. So whether it is as a coach, I typically break it to like attributes, you know, mobility, how you move on off the bike, strength, you know, how you move with some load, endurance speed. Um, and then, yeah, typically the, the number, the, the two top are, I want to climb better so I can stick with people and mm -hmm. I want to descend better so I can stick with people. It's, it's, those are classically, it's just always right there. Um, and then you can determine, okay, well, from where you are now to where you want to be, then it starts to make a lot more sense to people to say, this is probably 90 days, man. This is probably three to four months. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. You know, sometimes people are going thinking, dude, I'm going to progress 10, 10% over two weeks if I just hammer that one trail with those fast guys. And it's like, it's not going to work like that. But by, by at least putting it on a calendar with time available goals and then kind of subdividing into the first few months, you don't need to plan every single freaking thing out. But at least just knowing where am I going to start? 
then it gives you at least that good idea and an expectation so that when things start like, you know, okay, now I'm going to start building training weeks mm-hmm. and what is each specific workout going to look like and supposed to do, it starts to make more sense. That's always my goal. I want to lay it out so that it's totally predictable. As I'm talking, they're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So you started talking about individual workouts um, and I think it, it might be a good time to dive into, um, I mean, the workouts are different than- yeah. For sure, for sure. Than than what we consider normal within the the, the periodization model. So I, I know that you're not going to be able to like do a program for everybody that's listening. <laughs> but how would you characterize like the differences if someone wanted to start thinking about this and start trying to to use a little bit of what we're talking about? Like how would they how would they think about that differently? So let's say in comparison to the historical kind of program, which is five to six days on, and some people are training every day and they're calling two of them simple recovery days. I'm talking about training three to four days and recovering three to four, depending on what that workload looks like. Mm-hmm. Two of those four days are going to be high intensity indoor trainer days. One of them is going to be like some very high intensity, shorter intervals, uh, VO2 max level. So basically it's the max that you're going to be doing. If we're talking, uh, max effort on a scale of one to 10, these are nines and tens, man. And these intervals are lasting anywhere from three to five, six minutes on the long end with a lot of recovery in between. And they're not lasting more than an hour where historically you might be doing two, two and a half hours you know, to try to get the same effect. Yeah. In a, in a world where, where again, nothing is for free and it goes on, it goes along with no free rides. Right. Um, if you want to get time back, you're going to pay for it. And yeah. the way that one of the ways that you pay for it <laughs> is because workouts are going to hurt. Yes. Yeah. So there's no way around that, right? You got to just do the work. Um, and that was a thing, right? Like the old style, you'd gradually move into it. And it was really, man, one, two percent increments and in volume, training intensity gradually. And I'm like, dude, a three, four percent, you know, percentage of increase guy. And uh, and when we're working at your upper capabilities, that's it's a dramatic change from an easy ride where you're just noodling. So that's the other thing. How does it look? You said so two rides are going to be one hour. No more than an hour, 15, 90 minutes is max of you're probably going to get six, maybe eight intervals in, you know, you and I have done workouts that are, that are 30 and 45 minutes that are right. 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 And, but you're going to train up to that. So this is another weird thing of thinking people are coming in. They're like, dude, how can I be doing a 30 minute workout to be competitive? It's like, well, you're going to train up starting with this just to get used to it. Cause like you said, it's painful, man. Yeah. And it yeah. takes a while from doing something at VO two max levels. You know, you're not going to ride at your VO two max capabilities for four minutes and just recover in a minute and just keep repeating them and do a dozen and, and, it takes time to get acclimated to that level of intensity recovery. Right. And over the course of time, yeah, you can just like, dude, all I got is this 25, 40 minutes. I'm going to crush it and I'm going to make a couple of adjustments. So two high intensity training intervals indoors 
and I like two days outside. One of them, focus on skill, man. Because again, it's like it's always number one and two. You either want to climb, but the number one priority is either getting uphill faster or going down faster. One of the two, and it's, it's always like one and two. What about getting down with more style? <laughs> well, that's the practice of the skill too, right? That's the practice of the skill as well. So you can tell some of those guys that are cruising down, like, dude, people see me and you descend, right? Like you would always be waiting and just be like, ah, hands all over the brakes and just, you know, all over that bike. Again, one day a week, skill, not to, uh, again, right? I think we talked that last, uh, the last episode about you don't learn when you're afraid. Just right. practice like if off hip camber left hand downhill turns are a scary thing then just remove one of those things. Maybe just remove the downhill thing and do the left off camber at the baseball park, like I said, on a pitcher mound. And you're mm. like, dude, same mechanics, way less fear. You'll get better faster. And then that fourth day would be kind of what I call a kitchen sink ride. Throw it all in, the different types of intervals, some of the skill stuff. Let that be the big day. So if I'm doing four days a week, there's... Day one of intervals, 60 minutes. Day two, 60 minutes. My skill day might be an hour and a half, might be two hours. And that long day, it's going to be probably an hour and a half, two. If you got a longer event marathon, you can pump that up a little bit. You can see that's it's coming in well below the traditional periodized volumes. Yeah, and I think it, I think it's worth talking about a little bit. So if you do those four days and you do them, you do them, you know, right. And by right, I mean, you kind of, kick your own ass for those four days <laughs> then you've got three days in the week that are off and i think that people will feel very weird at first yes as they always like, do you mean i can take that no yes take that time <laughs> off that doesn't mean go sit on the bike for three hours and pedal soft it means take the time off yeah and again morris i think was uh that was the last name dunlap's coach but uh yeah, when he introduced that thing, like how was she getting all this training in? She was doing, you know, of course, pro caliber UCI volume intensity. But I'm saying, look, you're going to be training super intensely. And the more, and if you're training intensely, recovery should be thought about as training as well. Yeah. So when you are training intensely, that means the recovery component, they're just different sides of the same coin. Yeah. It's such separated. a mental shift to think of yes. recovery as training and yes. not avoiding training. Because I think that like at some point, at least when I was, whether it was my, a bad cross-country coach or whatever, um, we never thought of rest as part of the training. Training. And it absolutely is. Yeah. And at least I think that's a thing now. It's more widespread. People do it expect that but that so this is another thing right i'm talking high intensity low volume brick or grouped style training so you know i'm recommending hey bust out those two days of intervals or interval tra skills and interval trail you know but in between those two days is either two or three days off yeah so that you're recovering maximally to come back for maximum effort so that's Again, I can tell you how many times when I start to get guys on this and they see my training volume or the stuff I'm doing. And then it's it's was very recently with a guy I've been working with for quite some time. And he's like, I just haven't been feeling good and I'm trying to get better. And then and this is I said, tell me what you're doing. He's like, yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm removing some of those days and I'm just trying to train more. And so I was like, OK, I just was like, here's what I recommend. Let's have you do that. And then let's talk. And 
He just said, dude, you're right. I just felt like it was just being off too much. And it turns out I wasn't recovering enough. And we don't ever want to like, like I said, dude, I'm 52, right? I'm looking yeah. into things now for breath work, mobility stuff, acupuncture. Like, dude, I'm diminishing. So I got to look at these other ways to make up the difference for that recovery so that I could train at the intensity levels needed to bring the results that I want. So, well, so that, that brings up a good point, right? Like if, if he was feeling like I was just taking too much time off, like how, how do people understand that this is being effective and that maybe the perception they have um, can be checked by, by either data or like so they know that it's working? So that's, again, I'm always a big fan, right, of testing up front. What's mm. your capacity, you know, and then the goal. We could measure that. What are the demands of that? That's why I'm a huge fan of not just power but indoor power. So you're directly measuring. So that's mm. the big deal that an indoor smart trainer does is, you know, what two, three, four hundred watts feels like. And when you're out on the trail with hopefully – a power meter on the bike and you're doing that over and over or trying to and not hitting the marks over and over you're starting to see like okay i know what i am capable of doing and i'm not doing it so i either haven't rested up enough i'm not hydrated i haven't fueled i didn't get good sleep then you can start ticking those things down by mm -hmm. objective measures right yeah back when um so before, uh, before I moved out to Massachusetts, so while I was still in California and before I got sick, um, my schedule was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays were off. Uh, and by Wednesdays, I was definitely feeling squidgy. Like I wanted, yeah. I wanted to get back on the bike. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I get, I get that. So, ha but having like that testing and that data is, is kind of what keeps you from being weird. And it is just a thing, right? So for those of you that start to transition over, or it's like Eric said, like, dude, I'm you're not going to lose your fitness <laughs> taking two days off, taking three days off. More than likely what's happening is like you just said, you get that like, uh, I'm ready, which is a good sign. Right. Because the old school style used to be like, dude, I got to hit the numbers. Coach gave me another 45 minutes to do, and I got to do two more intervals. Yeah. And If this makes everybody feel better, by Sunday morning, you will feel completely the opposite <laughs> sometimes. Like, oh, man, I got to go do this. I'm so tired. Right. <laughs> so then there's that again. But, right, what did we say? You got to to make that time. You got to pay for it. And Nothing's so, free, man. There are no free rides. Free, right? You got to do the work. <laughs> yep. We keep saying it. I wonder why. Huh. <laughs> oh, shit. So uh, we're, we've been talking for a little while. Um, we're not going to be able to plan everyone's like work right now. But I think mm -hmm. uh, from, from the high-level conversation, there are ideas. Uh, I think I can recommend that if you just wanted to try this without having to put a whole lot of thought into it, most of the Sufferfest plans um, actually center around high-intensity, low-volume. Yeah, yeah. They're still a little longer, some of them, um, but if you wanted something that would kind of force you into a more high-intensity, low-volume program, if you if you downloaded Sufferfest and, and started on one of their training plans, it's going to push you that direction. 
I'd say that's a pretty good introduction because what I'm definitely proposing is definitely on the more extreme end of right. the low volume, you know, on both spectrums, on the high intensity and the low volume. Yeah. But if you are wondering, folks out there, it's like, yeah, that's a great recommendation. You're going to do a 4DP test. That's what I recommend, right? What is your capacity? They will measure it. They will plug all that stuff in. You can ride it. And then as Eric said, hey, how do I know that I'm getting better? Well, that's the other thing. They're also going to say like, Burp, you've gotten better. Your numbers are getting better. So if you do that and you're seeing that stuff get better, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just a couple steps away to go, dude, a little more intensity, a little bit more rest. So that's the ergo, the lower volume. It's like you could still have that same stuff. But that is a great, I spent a lot of time with Sufferfest and that really helped me to kind of fine tune my my high intensity, low volume approach. Yeah, and, and you know, we're not we're not sponsored by either Zwift or Zufferfest. Right. Um, so so th this really just comes from yeah, I, I think advice and, and yeah. kind of living through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I recently went through and looked at some more of the Zwift training plans this past week just out of curiosity for myself and they're just it's not the same. No, no. Yeah, that's so, still more of the traditional kind of, like I said, they do a great job of it, yeah. of a viewer as a beginner identifying low intensity color blue to high intensity red, yeah. and, but it, that's a very traditional periodized format and Sufferfest, like you said, very high intensity. It's in the name, man, Sufferfest, <laughs> you know, very condensed. It is a little bit more volume. Um but it is, I think it's a good stepping in between point, you know, if, if people are looking for a little test to prove it out and something yeah. that's just totally packaged up, they do the best job on that, man. You just hook your stuff up, plug in, that's it, man. You can even, the goals, the training plans from mountain to crit to road to whatever. And yeah, I, I can't say enough good stuff about Neil Henderson and those guys at Apex, what they did for the Sufferfest guys. So that's a... That's a sweet no-brainer program. So with Sufferfest, you can get introduced to the concept in a way that's kind of like recipe, done for you, good to go. But when you get to a point that you want to maybe go past that, um, I think what we're going to be able to do is, is offer you some resources that will show you how to extend what we've talked about here and be able to like, make your own plan. So give you the resources to, to, to build your own um, high-intensity, low-volume plan without having to specifically hire a coach. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been all about doing these last probably five, six years of introing people into this. And I've pretty nailed down that process of step one, step two, step three, and this is how we do it. So it's personalized. It's not cookie cutter. And right. it's, you know, to, to guide through the process. So yeah, for sure. This is something we could do. Good deal. So you've got some basics. You've got a quick plan you can start to operate against today with Sufferfest to try to uh, shorten the time you're on the bike and get those results. And then you can look forward to, um, for lack of a better term, some recipes that we'll be able to give you to uh, make your own. Right. So that you can get started. That is the thing. How do I start? We're going to show you how to get started. Yep. All right. So that's awesome. I think, uh, I think that that covers what we wanted to talk about today. I'm going to say that is good, man. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. So uh, if it was a lot and still didn't answer your questions, of course, I'm going to plug this again. The listener questions episode is coming up. NFR.cycling. NF wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's fun I'm leaving that in there I was going to say don't edit that out no I'm leaving that one in there nfrcycling.com slash ask and send us your questions there we go Um, and then we'll get back to you we're good (laughs) I'm excited I I really want like time is so precious and we've got so much other stuff to do and we want to be able to like effectively use our time and still kick ass on the bike so I'm excited for everyone to start playing with this. Yeah, dude, it's been a good experience for me personally. And with, you know, dude, when you transitioned into it, everybody else that's like, dude, it just, my wife's not pissed at me. I got time. I can make it here. I promise I'm going to cut us off. I promise I'm going to cut us off in like a minute and 30 seconds to not make this too long. (laughs) But I I think I can go back to, I think I can go back to the idea that it, it may have saved cycling for me. Because wow. because I just know I didn't have the time. Yeah, remember we were kind of talking about. I know. Yeah. Okay. You got to cut us off when it gets yeah, yeah. cut. Yeah. Right. But like that's that's how. I mean, <laughs> it's not snake oil. It's not bullshit. Right. Like right. I remember like, I was working at Citrix. I had no time. You yes. and I were going on rides. I was dying. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that yeah, I pushed yeah. you, dude? I, I pushed a, you. <laughs> that's dude, that might have been the <laughs> final ride where we were like on a flat into the hill into the wind. I had to push Eric for two miles. Because he was, was still trying to train regularly. That's right. That's yeah. when that freaking started. And you're you're like, all right, dude, I'm going to take was, a look at this shit. It was Glendora Ridge Road. <laughs> I have the fucking picture. God damn. <laughs> and I, I can still I can still see my face in that picture. So, um, yeah, that saved, that saved cycling for me. <laughs> okay, with that, and with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With that, we're going to end it. Um, looking forward to the listener episode coming up. Uh, Until then, everyone, keep doing the work. Right on. 